Well, if you've noticed, the Advent wreath is gone. It's gone. Um, silent night and the candles ended, what, 15 hours ago? Something like that. And it's Christmas Day, and we are combined into one worship service today. We're a little bit more relaxed. I don't have my bow tie on. We don't have our robes on. Kids are in their pajamas. Gold coins all over the floor. It's a special day. Your homes may be filled with trash bags full of wrapping paper. Your Christmas meal may be in the oven as we speak, so I'll keep it short. And we're gathered here in this beautiful sanctuary to worship the baby from heaven. And our scripture passage today has no mention of Christmas at all. Isn't that a little interesting? It's the account of a grown-up Jesus. And he's having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees. They were the the keepers and interpreters of God's law. These were the staunch, blue-collar, working-class traditionalists who didn't like change. On the opposite extreme of Jewish politics were the Sadducees. These were the elitist priests who believed that it was best for the nation to compromise with the Roman authorities just to get along. Well, Nicodemus was that part of that group that they didn't want any change at all. So he comes to Jesus at night when nobody was around, and he starts asking Jesus some questions. He was curious, who is this guy? He's done some amazing things. He said some wonderful things that he'd never heard before. What is up with this Jesus character? So Jesus says to him, he says, unless you're born a second time, you can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus basically says to him, what are you talking about? So Jesus explains to him that the kingdom of God is a, is a spiritual kingdom and you need a new spiritual life to be born in you so that you can see it. And again, Nicodemus says, what are you talking about? So in verse 10, Jesus makes fun of him a little bit. He says, now wait a second, I thought you were a respected Jewish teacher. Aren't you supposed to know these things? little put down from Jesus, just a little jest, having some fun. So Jesus begins to explain who he is to Nicodemus. And then he gets to the most recognized verse in the Bible. He says, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Are you starting to see the connection to Christmas here? Because Christmas is all over this text this morning. Jesus came into the world as a baby to grow up as one of us, to teach us the truth about who God is, to help us understand what it means to repent of our sin and live according to God's ways to die on the cross, take the punishment for our sins, rise from the dead so we can have eternal life. But it all begins by God coming 
to us. Think about that for a, for a moment, if you will. Usually when, when, when somebody has a need, they'll go to the people who can help them. You may not know this, but on most Thursday mornings, our church offers financial assistance to those in need by helping them pay their monthly bills. We're one of the few churches in town that still does that. Folks come to us. If you need a loan, you go to the bank. The bank doesn't come to you. If a student that I'm teaching needs help, they come to me. But it's not that way with God. See, we're the ones with the need in our lives. It's called sin, and it separates us from God. We're the ones who should go to God and say, can you help us? Yet, in an almost unexpected way, God approached Mary and said, I'm sending my son into the world And you're going to give birth to him. God always comes to us before we come to him. Because he knows what our needs are, even when we don't. His love for us is always there for us, even when we don't really want to love him. And see, it has to be that way. God God has to come to us first. Because in the darkness of our sin, we don't know how to find God. So he has to come to us. We're too frail in our brokenness to even lift ourselves up out of our beds. So God comes to us. That's why Jesus became one of us. Because he knew that we could never find him on our own. See, that's the love of God. That's the kind of God that that we serve. That's the kind of God that we give our lives to who comes to us first. In 1 John chapter 4, the same man who wrote the Gospel of John wrote this. He said, we love because God first loved us. It's a theme that runs throughout the Bible. And this is what Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus. It's not just by following all the rules and getting everything right. It's not just by living a certain way. Okay, I went to church, I did my prayers, I gave my money, I did this. Those things don't make us right with God because those are things that we do. What makes us right with God is what Jesus does for us. It's backwards. I don't know about you, but remember as a kid, you would get in trouble. Not that I ever got in trouble. Um, Cheryl, do we have spousal privilege here? Okay. Um, But when you got in trouble, and your mom would say, just you wait till your father gets home. Remember that? In our house, it was my dad saying, your mom can never know about this. That's what it was in our family. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. See, Jesus didn't come in the world to catch us. He didn't come into the world to judge us. 
He wasn't making a surprise inspection like the health department does to a restaurant. John 3.17 says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Because he loves us. See, Christmas Day, the day that we remember Jesus being born in the world, it's the start to a whole new direction in human history. God became one of us so that he can show us how to live a different kind of life than we once had. And as Jesus said to Nicodemus, he says to us, we have to be born a second time, a spiritual birth this time, in order to understand ourselves and to understand God. I really hope that Christmas is more to you than just the presents and decorations and the family gatherings. There's nothing wrong with those things. They're wonderful. Those things bring people together, which is important. But Christmas is about Jesus being born in the world. But it's also about something else. It's about our birth. It's about our spiritual birth. Jesus was born in the world so that he could be born in our hearts. That's the heart of what Christmas is all about. And it's at the very center of what our scripture passage is about today. See, it's, it's easy for us, especially for kids, to compare what they got for Christmas and what their friends got. My parents, when I was growing up, could have spent a whole lot more on Christmas for us than they did. They could have. But presents just weren't at the centerpiece of our holiday. It was about church. It was about family. It was about, when we lived in New Orleans, about lots of seafood. It was wonderful. When I was in high school and we had moved to Dallas, Texas, we, we lived in kind of a, I don't want to call it an uppity neighborhood, but it was a, it was a nice neighborhood. And my folks had some friends who always tried to outdo us, especially in Christmas time. Don't you love people like that? I mean, if we had a family Christmas picture taken outside a Cowboy Stadium, their picture would be from inside the stadium. It was one of those relationships with this family. If we had Christmas lights on five trees, well, they had lights on six trees. If we got a basketball goal for our driveway, theirs was the official NBA version. It's just one of those things. And I began to feel sorry for my parents who felt like they, what they did for Christmas was never enough because everybody else was trying to outdo them. It didn't bother me. But I could see that it really bugged them. Well, there's, there was one Christmas Eve. We're driving to church. We always went to the 11 o'clock service at our church. The Voigt's men were the ushers for this service, and it was always interesting when you got my brothers, my dad, and me trying to do the offering plates. Um, That's why I don't take the offering here. But my mom, who had just taken a dozen cookies to our neighbor, only to find that those competitive folks had taken three dozen cookies... She gets in the car and she says, it just makes me feel like 
whatever we do for people is just not enough. And leave it to my dad. Y'all have met my dad, haven't you? Hopefully, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nut. He's, he's crazy. He's, he's hilarious. But leave it to my dad who always has the perfect encouraging word. He always does. And I'll never forget what he said to my mom. We were driving to church. The three boys were in the back seat. Mom's passenger, my dad's driving. He said, honey, I want you to listen to me. He says, where are we going? She said, well, we're going to church. He said, right. What are they doing right now? She said, well, I don't know. He said, they're sitting at home. We know something about Christmas that they don't. We should feel sorry for them, not envious of them. Whoa, my dad put it in perspective. It changed the whole mood. We didn't have to keep up with them because that's not what Christmas is about. We didn't have to worry about what we did or what we didn't do compared to what other people do, any of that stuff. It's about Jesus. And so our attitude toward this family, especially as I saw it in my parents, it changed because my dad's earthy, practical wisdom It's not bad for a CPA to come up with that, huh? On this Christmas Day, let's be thankful for all of the the material gifts that we receive. We should be thankful for them. Let's not forget that the greatest gift is Jesus' offer for us to have a spiritual birth when we invite him into our lives. See, the stuff that we unwrap is going to wear out. The batteries are going to die. It's going to get broken, lost. That's the way it is with me. I lose things before they wear out. But the gift that God offers us in Christ, that's going to stay with us forever. Let's focus on that this Christmas. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Let's pray.